time for the Bible reading. So the reading this morning is 1 Peter 1 verses 1 to 2. Nice short one. That'll be on the screen behind me. 1 Peter 1 verses 1 to 2 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is God's word. Good morning. It's nice to see everyone here. Thanks for leading us through the first part of the service, Jacob. And uh, it's great that we sang, uh, Thy Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's, that's our prayer now, that God's Word would indeed be that as we jump into the book of 1 Peter together. When I was about six or seven years old, uh, living in New Zealand, I played some outdoor soccer. Uh, I don't know if you've seen young kids playing soccer. It looks a lot like uh, a swarm of seagulls who spot a chip on the beach. Uh, You can barely see the ball because there are just 20 kids just swarming around it. Uh, And then after a slice of orange and a sip of water at halftime, the real fun begins. The teams return to the field, uh, play resumes, and pretty quickly you realize something is wrong. Young Reuben can't quite believe his luck as he gets the ball, breaks away from the pack, brings it up the field, he lines it up, he shoots and he scores and there is no cheering and there are no horns blaring in the car park because Reuben has just scored an own goal. (laughs) He forgot that the direction of play switches at halftime. And so Reuben's coach had to teach little Reuben a lesson. You always need to remember which side you're on and which direction you're meant to be going. And this morning, the Apostle Peter wants to come alongside us like a coach and give us a very similar piece of advice. As a Christian, it is very important to remember which side you're on and which direction you're meant to be going. If you, could, if you forget that, the results could actually be quite tragic. You could be unnecessarily discouraged your whole life. Uh, You could fail to kick any goals. You could even kick a goal for the opposition and shipwreck your faith entirely. So, this morning we are jumping into a brand new sermon series in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, And Peter, Coach Peter, he's going to help us think about how Christians can stay faithful to God and live for Him in a society that is becoming increasingly secular and hostile. Does does that sound slightly relevant? I think so. And to help us with that, Coach Peter is going to remind us of who we are as Christians, which team we're on, and which goal we should be running towards. Uh, This morning, we're just going to look at the introduction to this letter, just two verses Maybe uh, Jacob finished reading them before you even found them. But these two verses, this introduction, it's it's not that boring little formula that you find at the start of some letters. 
these verses are loaded and they actually capture the key theme that we're going to keep coming across in this book. So I encourage you to turn to the start of 1 Peter and we'll look at them together. Uh, Verse 1 starts by telling us that we're reading a letter. Uh, Check your mailbox, check your email. There's a letter waiting for you. Who's it from? Uh, It's it's just Peter, not Peter Rabbit. Uh, It's Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Oh, no biggie. Just one of the 12 apostles. Just one of those guys who spent three years, day and night, up close and personal with Jesus, who witnessed his teachings and his healings and his sufferings and his death and his rising again. Isn't that amazing? That, that this morning we hold in our hands a letter written from Peter. And that all these years later, we get to hear from an eyewitness of Jesus Christ himself. But he's not just an eyewitness. He's also a spokesman. He wants us to know that he's an apostle. He's someone who speaks on behalf of Jesus Christ himself. Peter is saying, Jesus is the one who's chosen me, and he's the one who's speaking through me. I'm actually speaking with his authority, enabled by the Holy Spirit. So let's remember, as we open this letter this morning, and as we open any book of the Bible, any time of the week, we're reading nothing less than the very words of God. This isn't just take it or leave it advice from Peter. This is God tapping you on the shoulder and whispering in your ear. Who's Peter writing to? To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, So he's not writing to any particular church. Uh, He's writing to all Christians who live in this geographical location. Uh, A number of Roman provinces in an area known as Asia Minor. Or today, if you wanted to go there, it would be modern-day Turkey. And the idea is that this letter is going to be passed around to all the different cities and Christians and churches in that area. So he's writing to a whole group of them. Now, what does Peter, what does God want to say to these Christians? What is the book of 1 Peter going to be all about? Well, we get a big hint from that phrase in verse 1. See if you can see it. He calls them elect exiles. Two big words. Elect exiles. And he puts them together into this one key idea. And that's what we want to unpack together now. So so first of all, we're exiles. We are exiles. Peter says he's writing to those who are exiles. What does that, what does that mean? Uh, Wayne Grudem says in his commentary, it, it's really talking about someone who is a temporary resident in a foreign place. So the key idea here is that these Christians, and indeed all Christians, are, are pilgrims, uh, backpackers, temporary residents living in a foreign place. Not necessarily uh, temporary in, a, in an earthly geographical sense. I mean, it's quite likely that some of Peter's audience were born and raised where they were living, just like many of us were born and raised in Lonnie. But they're temporary residents definitely in a spiritual sense. Because as Christians, their home is in heaven, not on earth. 
I only moved to Lonnie a bit over a year ago, and still whenever someone asks me for my address, I, have, I, I do this double take, and I have to be careful I don't give them my old address in Geelong. And it, it's kind of a bit like that as Christians too. There's this, this niggling sense that we don't quite belong here. Because our home address is, is in heaven. Peter calls them exiles of the dispersion. Uh, dispersion, that was an Old Testament Jewish word that meant scattering. Uh, like when the Jews were, were scattered and dispersed away from their homeland during the exile. And now Peter's sort of stealing that word and using it in a new way to describe how Christians, all Christians, Jews and Gentiles, are scattered and dispersed through the world. We're not scattered because of our sin, like Israel was, but we're more kind of like, do you remember Daniel uh, from the Old Testament who was, who was sent to Babylon and he was living in a foreign place that he couldn't call home, a place where we don't really belong, a culture that we don't quite fit into, a set of morals and values that we don't see eye to eye on. And to those of you who are Christians here this morning, I suspect this is something you can relate to. Every day, every week, we experience moments when we are reminded again that we don't fit in. Um, maybe you're chatting with friends and they start talking about a TV show that they all love. And you feel left out because you don't watch it. I can think of so many times I've felt socially excluded for not having seen Game of Thrones. But God says, among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Or you're at a party and everyone has another round of drinks and you're that guy uh, who taps out. Because you know you've already had a couple and you know that God forbids drunkenness. Uh, you know that God actually places drunkenness on the exact same list that includes murder and adultery. And so you say no to that drink, and you're reminded again, this earth isn't my home. Or you're having a coffee with a couple of other mums, and uh, conversation turns towards that other mum who's not here, and a juicy piece of gossip gets shared, but you refuse to take part. Because you know what God says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Or you're having a cuppa uh, with some older folks, and they start to complain about all the problems with the government and how useless our leaders are, and you refuse to join in. Because God calls us to be subject to our rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everyone. Or you're chatting to your friends and they're talking about where they're going to go on the long weekend and how much money that holiday is going to cost. And you feel left out because just last week you gave your money to IJM to help the refugees fleeing from Ukraine. And instead of getting away for the long weekend you're going to come to church on Sunday and gather with God's people. Now, I don't want to stand up here as your pastor and pretend that I understand everything that you're going through as exiles. Because I'll admit that as pastors, we can live in a little bit of a Christian bubble, whereas it is all of you who are on the front lines, 
in schools, at uni, on the job site, in the office, and you know how hard it is out there. You know, maybe you're starting to feel the pressure mounting because of the LGBTQ agenda in the place that you work. Maybe you have been insulted or mistreated for your faith. Well then, I think you know what Peter's talking about here, don't you? When he calls us strangers and foreigners and exiles. And it raises the question, how have we gotten into this situation? Has something gone wrong? Do you ever ask yourself that? Has God forgotten us? I mean, should we be surprised that there are more and more people in Australia who aren't interested in knowing God? And they're happily living immoral lives, and they have totally different political agendas to us, and and sometimes they even seem to be actively undermining our religious freedoms. Should we be surprised by that? Peter's answer is a resounding no. That is the whole point of his introduction in this letter. Christians, please understand, your exile isn't a mistake. You aren't suffering because something's gone wrong in the plan. God actually chose it to be this way. Read read verses 1 and 2 with me again. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. That brings us to our second point. We aren't just exiles. We are elect exiles. We are chosen exiles. And did you notice Peter drives this point home in verse 2 with three phrases? And I think we should just briefly look at each of these three phrases, because they're, they're loaded. First, he says, We are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What is this foreknowledge? Is it simply God sort of peering into the future with a telescope and, and seeing what's going to happen, observing it in advance? Well, no. Because in the Bible... The word foreknowledge means so much more than that. It's actually a theologically loaded word. It comes up in the Bible all the time, and it really is a covenant word. It describes how God actively knows and chooses and loves and commits to His people. If you're not sure about that, have a look just a bit further down in this chapter at verse 20. We read that Jesus Christ was chosen... It's actually the same word, that is foreknown, before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Uh, And I think commentator Thomas Schreiner puts it well. He says, Peter was not merely saying that God foresaw that Christ would come, though that's part of his meaning. He was also saying that God foreordained when Christ would come. So, it didn't just happen, and God knew it was going to happen. It was engineered by God. And in the same way, Peter wants us to know that God the Father has foreknown us. He has foreknown you. Why does Peter want us to know that? Because it's incredibly comforting. 
you may be persecuted, opposed, threatened, struggling, but be assured it is all part of God's plan. And none of it can undo your citizenship in heaven. He has foreordained both our salvation and our exile. Your current status as a child of God and an exile on earth is due to the perfect design and plan of the Father. And it dates back to eternity past. And don't we need to know that? At election time in Australia, when Christians are getting up in arms that their precious religious freedoms might be threatened, how dare they? Peter doesn't freak out. He is not worried for the future of the church. He is not worried for the salvation of his elect. Peter knows everything is happening in accordance with the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's the first phrase. And then second, Peter says, we are elect exiles through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. What does it mean to be sanctified? There's a classic Christianese word for you. It means to be made holy. It means to leave behind our former ways and to be set apart for God. And Christian, that is what is happening in your life right now. Remember, we're balancing these two things side by side, being citizens of heaven and being strangers in Launceston. And Peter wants us to see what's really going on. It's kind of like he's handing us a pair of night vision goggles, and he's saying, here, put these on and take a look at what's really going on. You, you are not just a plumber who goes to church on Sunday. You are not just a, a bit weird at school. No, you're actually a spiritual being, a child of God with the Holy Spirit living in you, Christian. And every day, through all the mundane things that you're involved in, God is actually at work. He's actually using everything to make you holy, to prepare you for heaven. When your kid cracks it, that's God giving you a chance to grow, to be more like Him, to be patient. Every time someone speaks ill of Christians or blasphemes the name of Jesus, God's giving you a chance to remember where you belong. And He's strengthening your faith. You see, we sometimes feel, don't we, that our exile as Christians is just a bit unnecessary. <laughs> Why does it have to be that hard? Can't, can't we follow Jesus and fit in? But, but here's the answer. Notice that there's a direct link here. It is as the Spirit sanctifies us that we're exiled. As we're drawn nearer to God, we are necessarily moved out of the world. Every time you move five kilometers closer to Hobart, you are moving five kilometers further away from Launceston. So, Peter wants us to put on our night vision goggles and, and rejoice that God is calling us out of darkness to be His children through the power of His Spirit. So, we are elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And now lastly, you see that last phrase there, to be obedient to Jesus Christ 
and sprinkled with his blood. Uh, What does that strange phrase mean? Well, sprinkling with blood, again, it's Old Testament language. Uh, It reminds us of Exodus 24, when God made a covenant with, with Moses and the people. And the people were actually sprinkled with blood from a sacrifice. And it was a sign that God would forgive their sin and, and be their God. And in response, the people promised to obey God and belong to Him and obey Him. And now Peter is saying that in Jesus, this is fulfilled in the new covenant. In the new covenant, you and I have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. Thankfully, not literally, otherwise we would all have to go home after church each week and have a shower. No, we have been sprinkled internally. If you trust in Jesus, His blood covers you. It washes away your sin, you're forgiven, your guilt is gone, and it transforms your heart so that you can obey God, so that you actually want to obey God, so that your deepest desire is no longer to belong in this world and fit in, but to belong to God and to be His chosen children. It's another reason why we're exiles and misfits, because we are living with a totally different purpose in life, aren't we? Our goals as Christians for what we want to achieve in life are totally different to the people around us. So there you go. Three little phrases, but but they're really jam-packed and and oozing with comfort, aren't they? How amazing that in eternity past, the Father chose us to be His. And that right now, the Spirit is in us, making us holy, setting us apart from the world. And all of this so that through Jesus, we can live for God and we can obey God and we can be His people forever. And maybe you notice the Trinity appearing in these verses too. It's this amazing glimpse of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit all working together, working all things past, present and future for the good of those who love Him. That's how 1 Peter starts. Uh, Two verses that bring together two truths that seem contradictory, seem like oil and water, elect and exiled, chosen and rejected, loved and outcast. And that theme, we're going to see it again and again and again as we study this book. And again and again, we're going to ask the question in lots of different practical ways, How do we live in that tension? How do we live as citizens of the kingdom of God on an earth where we're strangers and outcasts? How do our glory and our suffering fit together? How does the hope of the future impact the struggles of the present? And I I wonder, are those questions that you find yourself asking? Do Do you find yourself wrestling with that? stuff. If not, if you haven't felt the squeeze, if your lifestyle is almost exactly the same as all the mates around you, if your values and goals in life are basically the same, maybe this is going to be a wake-up call for you. 
These verses, they're a corrective right off the bat for anyone who thinks that being a Christian is about having a comfy life. No, friends, we are living in a state of exile, of being strangers and misfits. And the letter of 1 Peter is going to help us think about how to live like that. And I think we need help in this area, don't we? Because it can be really hard to know how to be in the world, but not of it. Um, personally, I've struggled with this. I remember back when I was a teenager, I used, to, I used to think it was just so important that as a Christian, I wasn't seen by unbelievers as being unnecessarily weird. For the sake of evangelism, I really wanted to appear as normal as possible in the way that I dressed, in the way that I spoke, in the things that I watched. I didn't want people to write me off and write Christians off as being nut jobs. And I still think there's a lot of truth in that. It's part of what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 9, isn't it? That, that we should be all things to all people so that we may win some to the gospel. But I must admit, as I get older, more recently, I'm coming to realize that sometimes weird is right. Weird is necessary. And it's not actually necessarily a hindrance to doing evangelism. In fact, it might even be essential to it. You know, just as a random example, I, I used to say, <laughs> as a not parent with any experience whatsoever, I would definitely give my 13-year-old kid a smartphone because I, I don't want them to be at school and be, be weird. I want them to fit in. And now, I must admit, I'm, I'm really not so sure. Now I wonder if it would be better for my kids to learn from a young age that if they want to live for God, they're going to have to be different from the world in some ways. Parents, I, yeah, parents, I wonder how we're going at communicating this to our kids. Are you helping your kids understand and expect that following Jesus will make them different? Will make them weird? It's sometimes going to be really costly. Are you trying to almost protect them from that and help them to fit in as much as possible? Could you be at risk of raising comfort-loving kids, comfort-loving Christians who think they could have their cake and eat it too? Who think they can follow Jesus without ever really being very different in how they use their time or how much they drink or how they use their long weekends or how they spend their money or, or how they use technology and play video games and access social media. And young people, this is really hard, isn't it? I know that. It's, it's really, really hard to know how to live for Jesus, especially, it seems, today. And, and I'm not having a go at you. Most of the stuff that we face is not black and white. Is it okay to have TikTok? Is it okay to play video games? What movies and shows should or shouldn't be avoided and watched? When should we speak up about our views on homosexuality and gender? And when is it actually best and wise to be quiet about it? Here's the thing. Don't miss me on this. I don't have all the answers. Neither do your parents or your teachers. And what I really think we need is an ongoing conversation. Ongoing conversation in your family, with your Christian friends, at school, at uni, at AFES with your youth leaders in your growth group. Let's keep on wrestling with this together, with every new thing that comes up. 
what's it going to look like in practice for us to live as chosen exiles for God in Launceston? Are we compromising and just being a bit too eager to blend in? Or are we actually a bit too eager to stand out? Are we in danger of being a bit prickly and a bit argumentative? I'm really hoping that this series in 1 Peter is going to help us do that. And I hope that as a church it will spark an ongoing conversation about some of these things. But for now, Coach Peter, he wants you to remember who you are. Don't be like little Reuben, forgetting which side he's on and which direction he's meant to be going. Remember who you are. You are a temporary resident in a foreign place called Earth. But none of your struggles or sufferings are accidental or pointless. They are all part of God's perfect plan to save us, to use us, to strengthen us. Until that day when our exile will end, the homesickness will be gone. Because we will at last return home and be with our God forever. And if you want a nice segue, that's pretty much exactly what Jed's going to be talking about at 5 o'clock this evening. Let's, let's pray together. Well, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that Peter has, has come to us as an apostle, speaking for you, speaking truth into what can be really complex and discouraging situation where we constantly feel torn because we know we're Christians and we know we're your people and we're so thankful for that. And yet, and yet how do we live in this world where we're exiles and we're misfits and we're outcasts? Or maybe we're not and we should be. Lord God, we thank you for the wonderful encouragement that God the Father has foreknown us and the Spirit is sanctifying us And Jesus Christ has sprinkled us with his blood so that we can belong to you and be your people and live wholeheartedly for you. Not just one day when we get to heaven, but right now, right here in Riverside, in Launceston, in Australia. So we pray, Lord, encourage us with these truths, strengthen us, give us great wisdom to know how to live as chosen exiles. And we pray in the weeks to come, please use this book to strengthen us as believers for whatever is coming in the near future. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.